Well, the title of my sermon for you tonight is The Fight of Your Life, okay? Sounds a bit dramatic, but, but it'll be okay. I want to talk specifically about the most dangerous fight that you and I will ever face. No doubt that we will all have our unique battles, our unique challenges, struggles in this life, but I think there's still one common thing that we will all face. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about the world's deadliest animal, okay? We actually have the world's deadliest animal here in the house, alive, okay? But before you freak out and run out of the building, we have a professional here who's handling it. I tried to get, you remember Steve Irwin? You remember him? So his, his son start like his son's doing his thing. He's picked up the mantle. I tried getting him. He was booked. Uh, so I went with the B team. I have Tyler. So Tyler, <laughs> if you could go ahead and come on out. So this is Tyler. I tried to get him. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I can't find him. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Okay. He's in there. That would have been bad. Okay. I try to get Tyler to come out in like the khaki shorts and all of that and then speak in an Australian accent, but he refused. So, uh, so give him flack for that. Could have been a lot better. But so this is actually the world's deadliest animal. I'm honestly having a hard time finding it. I'm sure it's in here though. Just needs a little tap. Oh, no, no, he's right here. The lights just make it hard. So it's actually... You're all very familiar with what this is. Uh, it's a mosquito. It's a mosquito, yeah. So we, uh, this afternoon in the 99 degree Texas spring, uh, went out and it took us a lot longer than it should have to find a mosquito. We almost threw in the towel and right as we were walking back in the door, Tyler stops and he's like, mosquito. And so right at the end, the Lord provided a ram in the thicket. Um, so we, we have it here and uh, I'm sure you can't see it. It's, it's in there. Um, we can pass it around later like you did in elementary school, but, um, but it's, it's crazy to me that this is the world's deadliest animal. And I mean, it's like by a landslide, not even close. The mosquito on average, every year, kills 750,000 people. The second place, if you count humans, would be humans. Uh, We won't count humans. Second place, as far as animals go, is snakes at like 50,000. So it's, it's not even close. So they carry diseases, and, and so that's, that's primarily what happens. But when when you think of the most dangerous animal, that is probably not what comes to mind, right? You're thinking we have some sort of exotic lion or snake or bear or whatever backstage, which would have been cool. Uh, But one of the, uh, so this may make you uncomfortable, I don't know, but Pastor Dwayne has, has given me very few direct, like, never do this. Um, I think literally the only one that he has ever given me was never have live animals in the church. Uh, 
like specifically, I think he was talking about camels and a live nativity scene. So, uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll see what Pastor Jacob says. Uh, but anyway, this doesn't count, okay? This doesn't count. I'm not violating what he asked. But, but you know, you would think of like something that would typically come to mind, like the bear lion or, or whatever, um, but it's, it's the mosquito. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like if you had to lock me in a room with either a grizzly bear or a mosquito, give me the mosquito, okay? I feel like I, I stand a better chance. But still, this is hands down the deadliest creature. And I think part of the reason why is the fact that like you're this close to it and you can't see it. Because the Bible puts it like this in Song of Songs. Says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That when we think of the most dangerous fights that we're ever going to be in, we tend to think of these giant things that come into our life. But what I want to share with you tonight, so if you're going to eventually fall asleep or check out, uh, just listen for this little bit, okay? Because this is, this is the key thing I want you to walk away with. The most dangerous fight is the one that you don't know you're in. Because you're in a war, but you're not acting like it. Okay? The most dangerous fight, again, like I said at the beginning, we're all going to have our own unique challenges, our own unique struggles in this life. Uh, your fights aren't going to be my fights. Some people in this, this room have gone through far more than others have. But we all have our, these unique fights. But one thing that we will all experience is this, that we will find ourselves in a fight that we don't know we're in. And what's dangerous about that is that you're at war, but you're not acting like it. See, it'd be great if every battle that we faced was a 10-foot giant standing in the middle of the field yelling at us, okay? Because when that's the case, you know you're in a fight. Like, you know what you're about to go up against. It, it's, it's like whenever a good friend comes to you and says, I just received the worst medical diagnosis of my life. And if something doesn't change it's not going to look good for me. In that moment, that's the, that is the nine-foot giant in the field, okay? There, there's, no, uh, there's no waiting around. There's no thinking it over. You go to war, okay? You go to fight. There's no, I don't know what God might want to do about that. You, you realize this is a fight, and as a friend, we're going to fight this together. And you pray. And then later that day, you're scrolling through Facebook and you see someone post about how awesome their spouse is and you have this fleeting thought about, man, if only my spouse was like that person. If only my spouse was as good as their spouse was to them. And that little thought just kind of goes unchecked. That's the little fox. That's the mosquito. Because what's happening is in that moment, you're in a fight. 
it, but you may not know it. And if you don't know it, you don't act like it. So look at King David, okay? We all know the story. Well, I can't say that. Many of you, if you grew up in church, you probably have heard the story of David versus Goliath. And we love telling that story. When we talk about getting in a fight or we talk about going to battle, we love telling the story about David and Goliath and how whenever David, this boy, goes up against this warrior, this trained elite warrior who's huge and taunting them, David comes and he says, man, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of God? And, you know, we see this moment of him saying, like, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you with the name of the Lord. And there's this, this awesome moment where the, the little guy, the underdog defeats the giant. And we love that. And it's awesome and we, we tell it. But that's not the only fight that David fought. And it wasn't the most dangerous fight that David fought. David would go on to have many more victories. And he went on to be crowned king. And as king, we pick the story back up in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And I'm going to get a drink as you're unlocking your phone and finding your way there. Anyone have a hard copy Bible with them? Come on. Good for you. It's awesome. Um, all right. Here we go. Verse 1. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time... Remember what comes out in spring? Mosquitoes. That's why I hate spring. (laughs) David apparently didn't know this. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It's the spring, the time of the year when kings go out to battle, but David remained in Jerusalem. When you avoid the battles you were born for, you end up finding yourself in battles that you don't have the same grace for. It was the time when the kings were supposed to go out to war, but David remained in Jerusalem. See, he had had a lot of success. And have you ever heard the saying that nothing fails like success? Because something happens whenever they, some call it the power paradox, where when you come into power, you begin to lose the capacities that put you there in the first place. And so David goes on, wins all these victories, finds himself in this nice, comfortable place. He got the position that he was finally wanting. And now everyone's going out to war. He's sending his people out, yet he stays 
back and you got to ask yourself the question of David what are you doing what are you doing like who have you become this is not the David this does not seem to be the David that we saw face Goliath this David is sending everyone else out while he remains his people need him but he's not stepping into the fullness of what God has called him and positioned him to do. God has appointed each one of you with certain roles. Now, it may not be king of an entire nation, but it may be raising a child. It may be leading a team at work. It may be being a friend to somebody. And the Lord has called you to step into that role and, uh, and lead. Not get lazy. See, we love to talk about David versus Goliath, but what about David versus laziness? Lazy, wow. Laziness? What is that? Laziness. I always heard Pastor Dwayne say things like, wait till God calls you to preach. And here I am. Uh, yeah, David versus laziness, David versus pride, David versus selfishness, David versus lust. We don't really hear much about that fight. Like those aren't the fights that you tell your kids in Sunday school. But this is the fight that David's facing right now. He should have been out fighting. But instead... He's living it up, okay with where he's at, comfortable. It's like when, when people put more effort into the wedding than they do the marriage, or when people romanticize having a child, and it's like, man, I just really want to be the mom one day, and then motherhood gets there, and it's like, the work is just beginning. Um, or people romanticize leadership, and it's like, I really want that, that position at work. I really want to, to lead a team at work because it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be amazing, and people are just going to like just charge the gates with you, and everyone's going to be so nice to you and love you, and everyone's going to be as happy for your success as you are about your success. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, that's not always the case. And then you start to check out and you start to disengage. Disengagement is a fight. And it's one of those mosquitoes. It's one of those little foxes that it may not seem like a big deal, but it's deadly. So it goes on, verse 2, which I didn't tell them to put on the screen, so sorry. That's why you bring your Bible to church. (laughs) Verse 2, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch, there's your first clue, uh, and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw the woman uh, from the roof bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. So this is uh, the story of David and Bathsheba, and 
I want to sing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah to you, um, but I can't sing. Otherwise, I'd belt it out. Glory would come down and it'd it'd be great. Um, But David is in a fight, but he doesn't know it. And he sees this woman bathing on the roof. And then he tells some of his his men to to go and uh, get her to bring bring her back. And now David ends up sleeping with another man's wife. Uh, and then it just spirals out of control from, from there. There's a lot to this story and a lot that we're not going to get to. The main thing that I wanted to, to draw from this is that I wonder what David would have done differently if in this scenario it was a giant that had entered the city walls. And say David is sitting there on his couch one day and he, he's still not doing what he should do, but he rises and he hears that there's a giant in the city. I wonder if he would have responded differently. Okay, my guess would be that he would. That it would be so obvious that this is an enemy that has walked into his city that he would realize that he's in a fight and because he would know that, he would actually act like it. But, I mean... Genesis 3 describes the serpent in the garden as crafty for a reason. Uh, the enemy is very crafty. And he works in these subtle ways, in these mosquito-type ways or these little fox-type ways to where it's a little harder, it's a little less obvious and your guard doesn't go up. Because when your guard goes up, then you realize you're in a fight. So this happens to David, the great warrior. And David, like uh, Proverbs talks about, a man without self-control is like a city without walls. David sins and falls and uh, his story goes on from there. David was in a fight that he didn't know. This was more dangerous than when he faced Goliath. See, what got David in the place that he was in wasn't his military might, wasn't his stature. If you remember, whenever Samuel, David, uh, whenever Samuel anointed David, it was actually, he was the runt of the family. And David's father didn't even bring him to present him to Samuel to be anointed. It wasn't because of his resume and all of those things that got him to the place that he was at. It was because of his heart. Yet the same, uh, the same man who got where he was because of his heart stopped guarding his heart. And... Proverbs also says, I'm just kind of rolling like Jesus tonight. Scriptures say, it is written uh, somewhere in Proverbs. Uh, I forgot where I was even going. I'm too young to do that. Come on. Um, What was I saying before I got off track? Anyway, dadgummit. So, 
uh, David, his, uh, his heart, the same thing that got him there. Uh, he didn't guard his heart. I don't know. There was probably a great point in all of that, and maybe the Holy Spirit will bring it back. Um, if you got a word of knowledge on it, just let me know later. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm so thrown off that I cannot remember that. Uh, anyway, so that's David's story. It's all great. One of the reasons I think that we're so uh, so drawn to the story of the giant is because it's there's some room between our story and that story. You're likely not going to run into a giant, but when we talk about David versus lust or David versus selfishness or David versus laziness, that kind of hits a little closer to home. So what are some of the, the battles that you're facing that you may not even realize are battles. And this may be something that I would encourage you to, to take time and reflect on because odds are it's not something super apparent to you because if it were, then you would know. But I, I would encourage us all to pay attention to these things. What are these little foxes in our lives? What are these little mosquitoes, these these fights that we don't even realize that we're in. So things like in your marriage where certain, maybe the, the way that you talk to your spouse, you just assume is normal. Like everyone, it's okay because everyone interacts with their spouse like this. Um, or you're actually in a fight, but you're trying to normalize it. Um, maybe it's with friends where you see a friend succeed. You see someone you know get something that you want. And in those moments, this envy or this jealousy rises up in your heart. And it's just, it's gone unchecked. Um, you, you may not even realize or be aware that you're having it. Uh, maybe giants in our life may be like, that. the giant may be that you're on the brink of, of divorce. That's obvious. Like whenever, whenever you are at that moment and it's been vocalized, it's obvious, but a lot of times there are these little foxes that lead up to those moments. This question of, that, that's entertained too long and not taken captive about, did I really marry the right person? Or maybe it's a, an addiction to pornography and you normalize it because you say, well, I'm single or you normalize it because you say, well, uh, or it's justified because it's like, well, my sex life isn't where it should be. So this is okay. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's pretty normal. You're in a fight. Do you know it? Because when you're in a fight, you need to act like it. What about raising kids? We talk about there's no junior Holy Spirit. True, there's also no junior devil. 
okay? Your kids go through fights as well. Not just with their siblings or with you, okay? But your kids face battles as well. And if the goal, I, I'm for protecting the innocence of our kids. That's, what, that's how we parent. I also know that if the goal is just to, uh, to keep your kids, like to, to make sure that your kids avoid any type of battle, then they'll never be trained for the battles that they're going to face. Okay, so if your goal as a Christian parent is to just make sure that your kids never encounter any of those battles and you try to overprotect them, when the time comes that they face a battle, because they will, will they be ready for it? You know, even things like, like peace, where you're constantly worrying, you're constantly anxious, and you think that that's, that's not that big of a deal, um, it's because of this or because of that, and you don't realize that that worry is stacking up, that worry is weighing on you. Peace doesn't come to the passive You may think that if I just do nothing, then peace will come. That's not the case. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of challenges. Peace is a person. It is the presence of a person. The person being Jesus. Okay, in case you didn't catch that. Things like what I talked about earlier with the disengagement or what, what I would call the fog would be another way to put it, where you feel like you're just going through a fog. Kind of like with giants, we, we talk about fighting giants a lot. We talk about going through storms a lot. But how many of you know that a fog can be just as dangerous as a storm? that sometimes it feels like you are walking through the fog and you just don't, you can't see in front of you. Uh, all sort of uh, feeling has left the building. For me, this was, this was one of the, the fights for me that I didn't realize I was in. And uh, just kind of going through what, what could be called a fog of just kind of passion, just in general, waning. Uh, like enthusiasm, just kind of in general, waning and kind of finding myself on the couch, both metaphorically and literally. Um, but just kind of disengaged. Um, and you know, that, that period went on and we'll, I'll probably share more on that at, an, at another time, but it was going through that season that this statement was born for me. The most dangerous fight's the one you don't know you're in because once I realized that what I was going through was a fight, everything changed for me because most most of you, that's, I, I don't know if I can say that. Many of you know how to fight. I mean, Pastor Dwayne earlier this year 
taught, did a whole series on, on how to fight. Okay, many of us know how to fight. The problem is when you don't realize that you're in it. So once you realize you're in it, it's like, okay, it's go time. I know how to fight. Um, I just needed to know that I was in a battle. Because when you don't know you're in a battle, have you ever like walked into a, a situation where you thought it was going to be this casual exchange and you realize that it was not? That someone came ready to fight and you did not? And you get blindsided? Those are never fun. And you typically get your, your clock cleaned in those scenarios because you didn't realize that you were in a fight. So I'm not going to get into a ton of practicals on how to fight, but I do want to go over this. The reason for that is because, again, earlier this year, Pastor Dwayne spent four, six, eight, ten, who knows how many hours on, on the subject, so I'd encourage you to check that out. But I will go over this. So we're going to read First Peter 5. Verses 6 through 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So I want to look at these five statements made in that that passage, and we're going to fly through these. Maybe. First one, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Part of David's issue was that he was steeped in pride during that, that time. Pride is, in my opinion, the most dangerous sin for this reason. Any other sin, if you're humble and you're confronted about it, you'll repent. If your sin is pride, have you ever tried to correct somebody about their pride who's in pride? It doesn't go over very well because there's not humility or teachability. Okay? So humble yourself. Humble yourself. One of the things that, that happened in David's story was that he sent some of his men to go and like help him do this, this deed he surrounded himself with yes men. See, when you humble yourself, you surround yourself with people who will hold you accountable. If there is no one in your life that will hold you accountable, you need to find real friends. You need to get in a life group. You need to find somebody that you know, love, and trust and give them that permission. Because we all need accountability. We all need accountability. Also in Humble Yourself, we, we aren't meant to fight alone. We aren't meant to go through these fights alone. If you're going through a fight, a battle, whether it's big or small, humble yourself and tell someone that you know, you love, you trust, that's full of the word, that can help you and give wise counsel, let someone know what you're going through because we're not supposed to fight alone. Ecclesiastes 4 talks about this. 
One person fighting by themselves can be easily overtaken, but two standing back to back can overcome. Proverbs 17, 17, I got the reference on that one. Says this, that a friend is always loyal and a brother is born for adversity. So whenever you're going through a fight, your bro- this, that moment, whatever it is, your brother is actually born for that moment. So whenever you as a friend, as a sister, as a brother, as a mom, as a dad, as a daughter, son, whatever, whenever someone you know is going through a fight, going through a battle, that's the moment that you were born for. You were born for moments of adversity. Get over the awkwardness of stepping into their mess because you were born for that moment. Second thing, cast your anxieties on him. Cast your anxieties on him. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter six. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Okay, tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about itself because today has its own like it has, today has enough worries. And that was before you had all the news of the entire world at your fingertips all day long. Okay, and he was saying, listen, today has enough worries. Okay, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Take, it, it doesn't say don't have anxiety. It doesn't say don't have worry. It says take that and then cast it on Jesus. Don't try to pretend that it's not there. Acknowledge it, and then take it to Jesus. Third thing, be sober-minded, be watchful. So, one of these days, I'll preach a sermon without talking about being in the mountains, but it's not today, okay? So, anytime I'm doing a, a trip in bear country, I'm very mindful of the fact that I'm in bear country, okay? Everything that I do is mindful of the fact that there are things out there that can kill me and eat me uh, mercilessly. So the way that I prepare my food, the way that I package my food, where we eat, how we eat, things like that are all mindful of the fact that there are bears around us. That's part of being sober-minded, being watchful, is knowing your surroundings. So though you, will, you may or may not find yourself being in bear country, are you aware of what bear country looks like for you? So for you, it may be exhaustion. Like when you're exhausted, you are prone to certain things. When you're exhausted, when you're tired, you are more susceptible to temptation. You go for the drink, you go for disengagement, I mean, just go down the line of these different things that because you're exhausted, the enemy is taking that as an opportunity. Uh, Maybe it's stress or worry. And anytime you're stressed, it's like being in bear country. And you need to, you need to be aware of whenever I'm in this kind of, uh, whenever I'm in this kind of setting, uh, then 
then I am more prone to attacks from the enemy. So I think being aware of that and being sober-minded with it is, is huge. Um, resist the devil. James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So again, peace doesn't come to the passive. When the devil attacks you, you resist him. The, f- the fifth thing is being firm in your faith. So like James 4, 7 said, submit to God is part of resisting the devil. So submit to God, firm your faith, because the most important thing in any battle that you have on your side is the fact that the Lord is always with you. 